Guys, I have a confession. I've never been to the morning service, and I went this morning, obviously, because I'm teaching. Um, so sweet. If you haven't been, you should totally go sometime, though I prefer that some people still stay for the nighttime. Um, it was such a sweet service this morning. You should totally check it out. So um, I'm going to pray. I haven't taught in like six months. This is so fun. Um, yay, I'm back. I took a break for a while. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the message. Does that sound good? Okay. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this room. We thank you, God, for all the things that you've been doing throughout the day, the way that you've been etching at people's hearts, the way that you've already been softening people's hearts and just preparing them for what you have. Lord, I ask for a vulnerability tonight within our hearts that we can be honest with ourselves. We can honestly assess what is really going on and we can admit our need for you and we can receive all that you have to say, Lord. I ask that you'll just be so specific to each and every individual and that they'll, they'll hear the word that they need to hear and that you'll just peer straight to their heart to empower them to start living the life that they're called to that there will be such an increase of expectancy and childlikeness for this life that you have for us on earth, Lord. And any part of us that has gone complacent or is living in mediocrity, Lord, would you just rid us of that? And all the, the dead parts of us, would they come back to life in Jesus' name? So we just receive you, God. I ask that you just speak through my words, God, that they would carry your power and your anointing to cut through our hearts, to cut through the depths of our hearts into places we didn't even know were there. Thank you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, recently we've been in the form series. We've been talking about being transformed into the image of Jesus. And I started praying about what I wanted to talk about. And I really felt like the Lord said I was supposed to let you guys in on a little bit of my own story. It's kind of my style of teaching anyways. I like to just split my heart open before you. And here's the good, the bad, the ugly. And hopefully you like it and receive it. Um, so I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of what God is doing in me. And then I'm going to get into the bulk of the message. So about two years ago, um, I went through probably the hardest season of my life. I've talked about it a little bit before with you guys, where there was a period of about six months where I was waking up in darkness. I was experiencing an extreme amount of emotional pain, unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. I grew up in a very nurturing family, and so I'd never experienced a cut straight to my heart. And when I experienced that, it was like the Lord taking me into the season of learning how to develop a character and learning how to sow into a harvest that I wasn't gonna see right away. And so I would wake up and I would just walk straight to my music room and I would be like, God, I am not leaving here until you come. And some days I would walk out with absolutely no peace. But then a year and a half ago, there was like this marker and it was an overnight thing it really felt like it was an overnight thing, where there was a marker in the spirit where the Lord took me from a season of hardship and a season of trials, and he took me into the season of like immeasurable favor. 
And I remember I was at the beach one day and I was just like praying about what God had for my future. And I got this phone call and I basically was offered a job that I never even applied for. And down to a T, it was exactly what I'd been asking the Lord for in that season of darkness and in the unknown of what I didn't know God actually had for me. And it was like an overnight thing where it wasn't just this job, but it was the, the, the season where I started stepping into a season of abundance unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, where I would be like, God, who am I that you would deal with me so favorably? Like, I would just like story after story after story of too good to be true things kept happening to me. And the Lord was like, you sowed into a season that you are reaping the harvest tenfold. And he was blessing me for it. So I started experiencing this season of abundance. And I've been in a season where I'm like, man, I'm going to own the good seasons. I don't have to, you know, downplay how good it is right now. And I'm almost a little afraid that I'm going to mess it up. Is that good? Okay, so recently though, probably the past like three months, I came to this realization that when you're in a season of abundance, it would be really easy. This job that I got is ministry, so I'm doing what I love. I'm showing up to work nine to five, pouring out, you know, the Father's heart. But when I leave work, it is so easy for me to internally clock out and go straight home to indulge in whatever I'm craving. And not all, like, it's not necessarily sin. It's just like, what do I want to eat tonight? What do, where do I want to work out? Um, what people do I want to hang out with? Do I want to go shopping? And all of a sudden, like, there, it was this slippery, subtle slope where my natural desires, what I was craving and feeling became the very thing that drove my behavior. And even though I was doing ministry, I, was, I honestly found myself getting into a very complacent spot. And I realized that one of our greatest challenges in life, guys, is to encounter a season of favor and abundance, but yet still remain hungry and expectant for the more of God. And God wants to give us abundance, but he wants to know how we're going to steward it, because there will never be a time where we don't need God, ever. And so I, I just want to talk to you guys tonight about like stewarding your hunger and I want to talk a little bit about the concept of hunger first, and then I'm going to take us into some very practical steps. And when I say hunger, like, okay, we'll think about food, for example. Like, in the same way that you need food in the natural or you will die, you also need food in the spiritual or you will die. It's a need. Hunger simplifies a need. It simplifies humility to depend upon God. But there's also this other side of hunger, which I love. It's like this pleasure of, like, Ooh, what do I want to eat today? Like, there's an excitement with food, too. And my hope is that we wouldn't just hunger after God because we desperately need him, but that we would hunger after God because we're excited for the pleasure and the excitement and the glory that he has to take us into. We need hunger, you guys. It is the very thing. I heard Bill Johnson say this. Hunger is what drives a person to steal food for their starving family. It's the very thing that drives us to move outside of what seems safe. We need hunger to break down, like, to break down the walls of the impossible and to call heaven to earth. And Cole talks about this all the time. Be people that are willing to take risk. Be people that are willing to take risk enough that we would fail. And hunger is what drives us to that. Matthew 5, 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is huge because poor is not just talking about being poor with resources. It's talking about a posture of heart. Those who are poor and constantly recognize their need for God will receive the wealth 
and the kingdom of heaven. It's like this inside, upside down kingdom and this heart posture that we're always called into. You can always tell when children are sick because they have lost their appetite. It is not natural for humanity to live without a hunger. When I read this, this hit me really hard because our, our natural healthy state is to hunger. And I was thinking about this the other day, like that's one of the reasons why depression is such a dangerous zone. Because when you lose your appetite, when you lose your interest in things, that's like the core symptom, is a loss of interest in people, places, or things. When you lose your appetite, you are stepping out of your natural design by God. Because we were created with an intrinsic design by God to be hungry. It's a sign of spiritual and natural health. So my question for you is, this is your natural state to hunger after something. So what are you hungering after? And what are you feeding? Are you feeding your flesh? Or are you feeding your spirit? Are you feeding yourself with the things of heaven? Or are you feeding yourself with the things of these, this earth? And let me reiterate too, like all those things that I used as examples before, what I was talking about, what I was feeding myself with, they're really good things and blessings by God. But when they become our idols, they officially become a problem when they become the thing that dictates our behavior. And so it's not a matter of like completely denying, you know, like what, what you desire here on earth, but it's a matter of like, you have more of a hunger for the spiritual and the heavenly realms, and that is what, is what your soul is led by, is heaven and the spirit. So I wanna take you guys through a little bit of the things that I've been seeing in scripture. Um, Probably a year and a half ago, I started reading like the whole Bible, starting with the Old Testament, and I fell in love with the Old Testament, and I'd never really read the whole thing before. But one of the things that I was recognizing is this constant battle between humanity idolizing their physical and natural appetite and their fleshly needs over the, the appetite that God wanted to fill. He wanted to satisfy them. So, for example, you... Even look at Esau in Genesis 25. He traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. He walked in one day and his younger brother, basically a birthright is a blessing from God that he got from his father for being the firstborn child. And he walked in one day and he was really hungry and his little brother was like, well, trade me your birthright and I'll give you a bowl of stew. For a simple bowl of stew, he traded something so significant. And that has marked me. But then you don't have to go much further. You go in Exodus and you read about the Israelites. And the Israelites still blow my mind because, anyways, if you've ever read about them, they're crazy. All they talked about was take us back to Egypt. There we ate and drank whatever we wanted. Exodus 16.3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. It's like, did you guys not remember that you were in slavery? Like you were oppressed, you didn't have any freedom, and now you're free. But you're still thinking, like they would have rather stayed in Egypt and been slaves and depended on Pharaoh to feed them than to go in the wilderness and be free but have to learn to be dependent upon God. That blows my mind. But Moses, like God wanted to take them in, into the wilderness and lure them in and romance them and satisfy an appetite that they didn't even know they had. They thought what they needed was food and physical substance, but they, God wanted to take them into the glory. 
And the only one who really got to receive what God was trying to do was Moses. So Moses goes into the cloud for 40 days and 40 nights. He doesn't eat, he doesn't drink, and he goes into this glory cloud, and he's like, God, show me your glory. And I'm like, Moses, you're in the glory. (laughs) The more you eat, the more you want. Like, the more that you, like, behold the Lord, the more you become like him, and you're going to go from increasing glory. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. And that's what God wanted to do for all of the Israelites, but they missed out, and all they did was sit around and moan and complain because they were just thinking about themselves. And they made all these idols for themselves, and they ignored the fact that God was trying to fill a desire within them that they didn't even know that they had. This is the the constant battle between humanity of being a slave to what we're craving and what we're feeling and appetites much more than food. There's so many things that we crave. And then in the New Testament, Philippians 3, 18 through 19, Paul calls it out too. He says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. I read that, and I was like, that is like the definition of modern-day society, including myself. Like, so many days, I wake up, and I'm like, what do I want to eat this morning? Who do I want to hang out with tonight? And none of those things are wrong, but when they become your idols, they become a problem. But here's the thing that I love about Jesus. When Jesus comes on the scene... Jesus knew exactly that the greatest struggle of humanity was to be satisfied. He knew that, and he comes on the scene, and he starts speaking in metaphors of food because it was the very thing that they could relate to. Jesus spoke straight to the appetites of humanity. He had compassion on them because he knew their greatest desire was to be satisfied. You just read so many of his teachings, John 3, 3, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Man cannot live off bread alone, but off every word that God speaks. Come to me, all who are weary and hungry and thirsty. And then he says to his disciples, I have a food you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of the Father. And then in the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us our daily bread. He's talking in all these metaphors of food. And when I got to the New Testament and I started reading the teachings of Jesus, I just like started realizing, Jesus, why do you talk about food so much? Like, I didn't really understand it, and I knew there was something on it because I kept noticing it. And it was also in a time where a couple of months ago, I did a ton of research on the drive of human behavior and basic human needs. And this is what I felt the Lord say. I felt the Lord say, I was like, God, why did you create a hunger? Like, why did you even give us a need for food? He said, I wanted to give my people something tangible so that their human nature could relate to their desperate need for me so that they would know how to yearn and crave and live with me as their source of food. That we know, I I can tangibly relate of like what happens when my stomach growls and then I eat something and I all of a sudden feel full. Or I can tangibly relate to what it's like to like grow weak because I haven't eaten and then I go and I engage in a feast. That was their language and he gave them that because he wanted to introduce something so much deeper. Deuteronomy 8.3, he humbled you. He's talking about the Israelites. This is addressing the Israelites. He humbled you and let you be hungry. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You guys, our hunger in the natural gives us a tangible representation of our desperate need for God. In other words, in that verse in Deuteronomy 8.3, I just wrote a paraphrase of it. In other words, he humbled you and he let you have needs. He gave you needs that you could not actually fill on your own because he wanted to take you into a place of recognizing that it's not just the physical bread you're needing. What you're needing is him and his glory, his presence. Because we've been invited to a feast that is greater than anything this world could ever satisfy. And it's so mystical. Like, when I talk about this, I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm introducing. But go get it. Go find it. Glory to me. Like, when I read 2 Corinthians 3, where it's saying, like, as we behold the Lord, we will be transformed from one image of glory to the other. I'm like, what does that even mean? But it is okay to live in mystery. I think mystery actually should be driving our hunger. It shouldn't bring us to this defeat of, like, I know nothing about God. But it's like, I'm going to search you out. I'll spend my whole life figuring out this being that I couldn't even begin to comprehend. This is so real to me, you guys, because I'm constantly living on a daily basis where I'm like, I was made for more. But I like something is in my face saying, pick me, pick me. And I'm like, no, I'm going after God. And then it's like, pick me, pick me. And it's this constant battle that I don't believe we'll ever fully be free from on this earth. But what we can do is rewire ourselves to hunger after God more than we're hungering over the things of this earth. And it's hunger is going to be the very thing that takes this church into what the calling that we have. We need it. We can't live without it. So I want to take us into just the practical application of this. Guys, it's so real to not be hungry for God. I've found myself at the place so many times. And so a couple of months ago when I sat down and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I'm actually hungry for God anymore. Like, how do I get hungry? I got so practical. I'm such a type A personality. I'm like, I'm going to write everything down. This is a mathematical equation. And so I like put in my journal two columns and I'm like, things that make me hungry for God, things that make me hungry for my flesh. And I just start writing down things. I think, yeah, that makes me hungry for God. Ooh, yeah, that definitely distracts me. And then I'm like, ooh, this person definitely spurs me on to seek God more. This person probably distracts me. And I'm not saying don't ever hang out with them, but recognize that they distract you. And so I started intentionally, I would look at this list and be like, I'm going to go after that today. I like started making goals for myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to prophesy over one person today. I'm going to like do these specific things. And I wasn't like, one of the things I always teach um, with people is don't make big goals that you're not going to be able, be able to obtain. Like set a small goal and then just start going after it. Something that you can know that you've said yes to and you've actually stepped into. So if you're not hungry for God, get hungry. Sometimes we need to induce our hunger. That's what I decided. I was like, guys, I'm going to provoke a hunger. If, if I'm not hungry and I don't feel it, I'm going to make this happen within me. And that was one thing that Lander mentioned to me. He said, he was like, what do you do when like, you're not hungry for God, but you don't really want to be hungry for God? And I was like, there's really not much that I can say to convince you to be hungry for God, but you can will it. 
And that's what Lander said. You can step into it before it is a feeling because hunger and the need for God is not just a feeling. It's a legitimate need that will always be there. So you can will it and you can step into it. And I believe that the, fe- the feelings and your desires will start to align with it. So I'm not hungry. How do I get hungry? Inducing our hunger. Number one, Fasting, that was one of the main ones that the Lord really showed me. Fasting is like one of the quickest ways to get hungry for God because what you're intentionally doing is you're denying your, your appetite of your flesh and then you're, like, it's like heaven recognizing it as a spiritual act. And you're saying, I am going to deny my physical needs right now because I want, like, my desire for God to outweigh my desire for myself. And it's just, it's for a time, it's for a season. It's like, another thing Lander said is it's like your soul being reoriented to answer to your spirit and not to your flesh. Luke 4, 2 through 4. This is talking about Jesus. He was led in the spirit, or he was led by the spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I don't understand why Luke even acknowledged that he was hungry. Um, Considering within the first three hours of not eating, I would have been famished and psycho. It's true. Hangry Danae over here. Yeah. Anyways, so I really believe that as Luke is saying at the end of them he was hungry, he's not just referencing a physical hunger. Because this is also talking about Jesus who said, my food is to do the will of my Father. And then... It says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but off every word that God speaks. His desires for the things of the Lord and the will of the Father outweighed anything physical within him. Number two, if I'm not hungry, how do I get hungry? Do the will of the Father. John 4, 31 through 34, this is Jesus and his disciples talking. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have a food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought me food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He always throws us for a loop right there. Um, What is the will of the Father? Well, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of the Father is to bring the kingdom here and to make heaven come to earth. And that's so much of what Jesus did. And like one of the best examples that I have for this, if, if any of you guys know who Heidi Baker is, um, she's a wild woman, has this huge ministry in Mozambique, and just legitimately heaven is coming to Mozambique, and so many blind people are getting healed, they're beginning to see, deaf people are being, beginning to hear. So... A couple of years ago, I went to go see her speak, and she was in Orlando, and I'll never forget this night because I had this huge revelation. So she's at this conference, and she's on stage, and she's speaking, and the service is gone for like four hours, and by this point, I'm in the back, and I'm staring at her, and she's like walking around praying for people, and she's like, guys, we're not leaving here until everyone gets prayed over. She's like, you're free to leave, but we just want to encounter the Lord, and I'm just like, I'm so hungry, I need to pee, and when is my ride leaving? (laughs) Like, that's all I'm thinking about. 
And I was staring at her, and I know when I'm around Heidi Baker and people like that, I know that God has something like that for me. Like there's such a calling on my life to be so, I, to be in another realm and to genuinely bring heaven to earth and like minister to people and see them encounter God. And God was working on me in that moment because I was like, all I'm thinking about is my flesh right now. And even though there's nothing wrong with that, I knew that there was something on what I was recognizing with what was going on in her. And so I'm like, Lord, how does she do it? So a couple weeks later, my mom texted me, and she was like, I just found out that a distant family member who's 17 has got diagnosed with cancer. Um, Do you want to go pray for him at the hospital? And so I said yes. We went to the hospital. We went and prayed over him. He's a 17-year-old boy, basically had been given a diagnosis of, like, only living for a couple of months maybe, which, by the way, he got healed. Amen to that. Cancer-free. Um, Anyways, so basically, I like stood in front of this boy who, I don't know if it's like this for you, but for me, it's a vulnerable thing to pray for someone who's dying with cancer because I know that it shouldn't be there, but if I pray for them with hope and expectancy and God doesn't show up, nothing's going to happen and it's just going to be one big letdown. But when you step in and start praying for people for cancer or whatever it is, you start facing the impossible and waiting for God to show up, that's going to make you really hungry for God. It's going to make you recognize, oh my goodness, I actually need you. Like, I can't do this in my own strength. So I prayed over him, we left, and then I got in my car and something came awake in me that had not been there in a while And I just started like worshiping and laughing and crying. And I was like, God, what is this? And the Lord said, this is how Heidi Baker does it. Because her food is to do my will. And the more she does it, the more she wants of it. And the more that it's her joy. She's not just up there like walking around praying for people, thinking about, I'm just got to do my work for the Lord. I got to strive. Like, no, it's just an overflow because she's trained herself to feed off something so much greater than herself than her own desires. I'm like, dang, that's good. Um, another example, too, Mark Vanderbilt. I just went to um, their small group a couple weeks ago, and he told a story about basically one of the guys that he works with um, had this huge hole in his finances. Him and his wife did not catch it, and they were like, oh, crap, we're not going to be able to pay our bills this month. And this guy doesn't know God. And when Mark heard this story, like, eventually, he just had this thing in his heart that was like, I'll give it to him. So he gives them this lump sum of money that was, like, very generous, and it'll make your palms sweat when you give it because it's a lot of money. And I just, in small group, I just raised my hand. I was like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this, but can I ask a question? And he was like, yes. And I was like, how did you feel after you did that? And he goes, oh my gosh, that was the best part about it. He was like, after I gave it, I just had so much joy in me. He was like, I didn't even know what it was, but I couldn't stop laughing. And I was just like worshiping the Lord all throughout work. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're doing the will of the Father. And the more that you want, the more, the more you do it, the more you want The the will of the Father is to care for the needy and to care for the oppressed. And it's not just like praying for people, but it's giving to people. It's loving people. It's getting in their world. And it's addicting. So I'm not hungry. How do I get hungry? Number three, man can't live off bread alone, but off every word that God speaks. Feast off the words of God. 
And I'm not just talking about like his already written word. Brian talked about that last week, and I love the Bible. Don't get me wrong. And there's something so life-giving about reading the Bible. But there are so many promises, I bet, if you have a history with God and you've been walking with God, that you can go back to and start feasting off again, that you can start meditating on. David says in the Psalms, like, I will meditate on your word and on your promises day and night. And there's a reason why David was very hungry for God. Like, he had actually put disciplines into practice to steward his hunger. Feasting off the words of God. I used to go back to my journals And I would just like read them over and over and over again. The seasons that God took me through. The history that he's taken me through. And like, even though we feast off the already written word, even if God hasn't spoken it yet, attune your ears to the Holy Spirit. Because he's probably got some stuff to tell you. He does have some stuff to tell you. He's got, there's a voice that wants to lead you. Number four, if you're not hungry, how do you get hungry? Return to the love that you had at first. Revelation 2.4 says, You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. It's like a marriage. Like, you can be married for a while, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, crap, our love has, like, died. The feelings have died. Love is much more than just feelings. But, like, sometimes you got to go back to the monumental times where your love was awakened with God, not just with people, but with God. And like, there are so many places that I can go that I've encountered Jesus face to face and I can reawaken what once was in hopes that he's going to bring me into the more. Things that have died in me, I can call back to life when I step into the things. I know when my heart became aware of the love of the Lord and I know where I can go to reawaken that. And it's so specific to each individual. For me, like I said this um, worship a couple weeks ago, and y'all are probably going to laugh at me because I don't really tell people this, but for, for me, one of the quickest ways that I can like hunger after the things of God and step into a love that I had that I currently feel like is dead, I can go into my room, I shut the doors, I blast the music, and I go to town and dancing. And I can't dance, like, at all. Like, I don't think anybody in my right mind is ever going to see that, not even if I get married, not even my husband. It's just, like, one of those things that's not going to happen because I look ridiculous. But, like, somewhere along the lines into willing myself into going back to the things that I did at first, like, there's just something where the manifest presence of God starts making itself known. God honors when I will myself into hunger and I start dancing before him and I start being taken like in my heart, in my mind into a place of like pure adoration to God. Another thing too, like when I was in a season of hardship two years ago, I used to wake up in the morning and like my desperate need for God was right in my face at all times. Like I woke up and I was just like, oh, can't move up. Need to go to my music room and sing to you so I can break out of whatever I'm in. And so I would go to my music room and I would just start singing because I was in this, my need for him was very apparent. But now that I'm in a season of blessing, you don't know how important it is for me to get out of my bed. And even though it's not right in my face, I make my way over to my guitar. I grab my guitar and I start singing him to to him as a discipline because we don't just worship God out of our need or our feeling. It's like, for me, specifically to me, I know that like when I sing to God, it moves his heart so much. 
And I started singing to him because he loves it. And I'm in a relationship, and this is a romance, and sometimes I don't feel like it, but he feels like it all the time. He's always ready for it. Um, Yeah. Guys, it's not about replicating the past. There might be new things that God wants to do in you too, and it's so specific to you. And then lastly, I'm not hungry. How do I get hungry? Immerse yourself in the presence of hungry people. In the same way that bad company corrupts good character, good company spurs on hunger. The famous words of Lander, hunger spurs on hunger. I can go into a room and be with a hungry person who's like ready to go after God, and it is very hard to not catch what they're catching. I either have to intentionally close myself off of it, or I walk out changed, because there's something that they're carrying There's a glory that softens my heart. And there's something to be said about who you hang around will influence you, whether you realize it or not. And I'm not saying don't like go be around people who aren't hungry, but I'm saying be intentional and know the season that you're in and where you're supposed to go. So I just want you to ask yourself, like, who are the people in my life that are hungering after God? And who are the people that are distracting me? So I want to take you guys into two questions, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer, of just an honest assessment and confession with each other. I want to ask you, what am I feeding myself with that is causing me to hunger more for my flesh and the things of this world over the things of God? Just listen to the Holy Spirit for a moment. And then second, what is one practical step I can begin engaging in this week to induce my hunger for God? Just make a goal. What is one thing I can go after? It can be on the list that I gave you or it can be something else. So we're going to go into a time of prayer There's something to be said about, you know, the Holy Spirit might be revealing stuff to you, and there's an importance in speaking it out loud and giving it. It's it's easy to be convicted about something and walk out and then just forget about it if we don't bring it before one another. And so I just want to have us have a time of getting into groups of like two or three and just being honest with each other, being vulnerable. Here's what the Lord is convicting me about, and here's one thing that I want to go after. And then I want us to pray over the other person big things, dream on behalf of the Lord for the person, that God would awaken a childlikeness and expectancy again. So we're going to split up and pray.